HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Now available online through Larder Meat Company. Learn more at hearstranch.com. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. to another episode of your favorite podcast, Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and the lows of everything edible, spreadable, and pourable with me, your host, God, someone Irish, someone Irish. Nicole, name someone mm. Irish. Uh, the Pogues. <laughs> with me, your host, the Pogues, and... And me, Nicole Bailey. Oh, yeah, you're mad Irish already. You don't need to think of someone Irish. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Nicole. (laughs) Thank you. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Nicole. (laughs) What are you doing to celebrate your favorite holiday, St. Patrick's Day? Um, Well, this is not my favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, fair enough. And I I watch the local news sometimes here. Um, I watch the Fox 59, but it's not like Fox News. It's like the local Fox news station or whatever. A, a station run by a tiny fox. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they um, were all wearing green. And I felt sorry for them because I always hated when you were forced to do that at work. Like when I worked in an office. You were like, you have to wear green on St. Patrick's Day or we're going to tease you. And I really <laughs> just had like a very bad traumatic memory of that. Um, well, it would be worse if they said that you have to wear green or they're going to tase you. <laughs> that is true. It's also like when you work in service and they're like, you have to dress up. On Halloween. Oh, I do. I always did that, yeah. People who work in the service industry have big personalities, and they want to wear costumes. But I have a big personality, and I don't like to dress up in costumes, so. 
Mm. Well, here's the thing. I, I have a couple of things to say about this. One is I agree. I think that being forced to wear green is cruel um, <laughs> because you need to really be like feeling your outfit for the day. I love it's wearing also green. not everyone's color, you know? Absolutely. If someone told me I had to wear purple, I would tell them I quit. <laughs> um, I'd say no, <laughs> sir. Uh The other thing I want to mention about Halloween is I would always force everyone to dress up for Halloween. And some people grumbled about it, but I'm going to put an asterisk on this. I think if you give folks a theme, because we always did a theme at Brucey, it's easier than just being like, you better come up with a creative and fun costume. Like, I would be like, we're doing the circus. Like, you can be a lion or a lion tamer or a, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's It's easier, I think. And and I would even provide a costume and make them. Well, that's fine. It just, you know, the service industry is such a intense work experience. And to be, like, uncomfortable during it is, to me, pure misery. (laughs) Sure. You could ask Amanda Azell, who I dressed as a giant present. I made her a costume that was literally a huge box one year when we did a Christmas for Halloween. (laughs) How did she get between the tables? Oh, she's nimble. I mean, she's so, I, I don't know. She was a great sport about it. We had, that was a great year. We did Christmas for Halloween at Brucey. I don't remember what year it was, maybe 2013. And uh, it fucking snowed. Can you believe that? Yeah, it snows in Halloween. I was dressed as Santa. It was awesome. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It was great. Take me back, please, Lord. I'm so glad I didn't work there then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I uh, did something slightly St. Patrick's Day today. Uh-huh. I gobbled up an entire Irish soda bread bun. My na- upstairs neighbor, Kari, made me. Um, and it was delicious. I don't think soda I've ever had really Irish good. soda bread before. Oh, it's great. It's a quick bread, but it's like regular bread. So it's, you know, the best of both worlds. If you hate it's great. yeast, like me. Look, this thing was basically like a scone, but a little bit tougher, but not in a bad way. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, the soda bread that I've had has been, like, sliced, like, loaf bread, basically. Oh, oh, oh. This was a small individual. It was a scone. I hadn't eaten anything and not realized it because I was working all day. And then I was like, I ate that thing. I I basically shoved it in my mouth with (laughs) my foot. Uh, what are you doing for St. Patty's Day? You just said you're making some cabbage. What's the story with that? Yeah, we had some. My stepmom is gone um, so I am making dinner for the family this week, so I basically just threw some shit together. I said I made a traditional Irish picadillo, just kidding, that's a Cuban dish. Um, <laughs> but, but we had this whole cabbage say. in the, in the fridge that was going bad, so I was like, I'll just roast it, because it's delicious roasted, and, um, it's really a great way to use an entire head of cabbage. Yeah, that shit wilts right down. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have that, and potatoes are Irish, you know. Sure. So we're going to have side of potatoes. Piccadillo can have potatoes inside of it, but I am trying to low carb, so those are going to be on. Those babies are on the side. And okay, then, I don't know what piccadillo is. Oh, it's basically like a Cuban chili almost. It's it's oh. uh, usually ground beef. I use ground turkey. It's tomatoes, cumin, um, a little green bell pepper, and then my favorite part is green olives sliced up in there. Ooh, nice. Also supposedly raisins, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, well, that's fine. (laughs) That's okay. This is the non-raisin family. We won't talk Cuba. (laughs) 
Cuba, yeah, did you hear that? Don't tell Fidel, Fidel Castro. Castro. Um, <laughs> I'm the only Cuban person that either of us know that's pathetic. Well, Che Guevara? <laughs> Let's not get into this because we're going to dig ourselves in an ignorance hole that I don't want to <laughs> jump into. <laughs> yeah, well, I blame capitalism, man. Okay? Absolutely. At 100%. 100%. It's not my fault. Or is so, it? I don't know. I, I My public school education is to blame. Yeah, public school didn't want us to know anything about communism. So that's why we only know about Fidel Castro. And we don't like raisins. Just kidding. I love raisins and communism. <laughs> it's only you. Uh, yes, I love both of those things. Okay, so you're making those things cabbage. No corned beef, obviously. That No, I would never eat corned beef ever for any reason. You know, for the longest time, and I'm going to say even into when I was a chef, I thought that corned beef was like beef and corn together. I didn't even know what corned beef was. Oh. And, well, do you uh, know... I've never corn, had it. Corned beef is not actually tradish Irish, and neither is cabbage. It's American Irish. And <laughs> corned beef, the process of making it, is Jewish more... So it's like Irish immigrants learned it from the, their Jewish neighbors in America, so... Oh, interesting. I just, I never had it growing up. Uh, I am one quarter Irish, so I can do this accent and not feel like I'm being an asshole. But uh, my grandmother was like Irish. Uh, she wasn't like Irish. She was literally Irish. And um, anyway, I never had it growing up, the Jewish version, or and I'm half Jewish, uh, or the Irish version. And I thought it was made with corn, as I just said, because I am an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love I love corn. I don't see why that would have made me not want to have it, but I never had it. I just recently had pastrami maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago. It's recently good. 10 years ago? <laughs> well, I mean, I am over 100, so to me, 10 years ago is the recent past. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I'm a vampire. Um, what else is going on with you? I really miss you, and I don't, I'm not just saying that. Like, I actually cried because I miss you so much oh. earlier today. Oh, my God. That's yeah. very sweet. I will be there in May, which is just so soon. I can't wait. You know what it is, Nicole? Nobody gets me, I feel like. <laughs> My dad got me. He was, he's dead, um, but he got me. And I feel like, maybe this is too vulnerable to stand there, but I feel like nobody else really gets me. And I've been feeling very much like that lately. And I'm like, Nicole gets me and she's gone. No. Well, I feel like... Our friends get you, our weirdo collection of amazing pals. We Not just, really. They're we, always wagging their finger at me. Oh. You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of the part of their personality types. Um, mm-hmm. What was I going to say? Oh, I went to the grocery store far away today just so I could talk to people that I haven't talked to because I've been going, I was like trying not to go to the Whole Foods even though I like the cashier there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I realized that I need some, I'm just like, I haven't been socializing at all. And I have my family around me at all times. So it's like, not like I'm completely alone, but, yeah. um, it's starting to wear me down. Sure. Yeah, you, you I'm a social creature. People you're the most social creature. Yeah. And you're an introvert mm-hmm. and, and an extrovert. Yeah. Which makes me just think that that doesn't, that's not real. Introverts and extroverts. If someone can be both, it just means you're a person. <laughs> you can be both. There's a whole, there's thousands of articles on Medium about how you can be both. Um, I know, I hate it. The But the thing that's really been, you know, like affecting me lately in the news, 
and I think everyone feels the same way, is the J-Lo and A-Rod split. I'm heartbroken over it. I'm really torn up. It's just, you know, I really thought they were going to last. And I think that part of it is from when you saw that man in their house on Instagram. (laughs) Oh my God, yes! That was terrifying! That was terrifying, right? A creepy man that was hiding, but wasn't it just a reflection of someone? Yeah, it was not real. But I just remember you were so, like, freaked that you thought it was a real person, like, in Three Men and a Baby. (laughs) Yes, that is the true tragedy. I have been thinking a lot about it, and I'm like, you know what this is? This is just, I'm like... I don't get it. Like, J-Lo, like, you know, and Elizabeth Taylor, you think about these, like, really high-profile, famous, gorgeous, talented, amazing women, and they, like, go through all these, like, husbands and lovers and stuff, and I'm like, societally, we're taught to think that some somehow that means there's something wrong with them, but it means that there's something right with them, is what I think, because it just yeah. means, like... If I could in- meet more men, I would have definitely heard already been married and divorced, like, three exactly. times. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say they're they're strong, independent, talented, like rich, self-sufficient, cool. And like they can just keep taking chances and trying different things. And I think we need to start, uh, stop the kind of like uh, conversation about how that makes women that do that kind of thing, like there's something wrong with them and realize that that's cool. I was looking for a biography today and I could not find it. Um. And that's why independent bookstores are, you are going out of business because you never have what I want. But, um, (laughs) yeah, fuck you, independent bookstores. I found, um, this, or I ran across Rue McClanahan's, uh, autobiography and it's called Mm. My First Five Husbands. (laughs) I just had a sip of seltzer and it went out my nose. (laughs) I thought that was a very cute title for an autobiography. I almost bought it, but... It That's didn't. incredible. That and it's it's great that you mentioned Rue McClanahan, uh, one of the stars of Golden Girls for any of you young, not Gen Zers that's listening to the show. Um, because we're we're continuing with the Florida episode today. Yeah. Okay? Um, we are. Last week we talked about key lime pie and uh, online dating. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been contacted by the person that... Um, I drug, dragged the mud. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? He heard you? No, about- no, no. <laughs> oh, no. But I listened to the episode and I felt bad about it. And I just wanted to re- reaffirm that, uh, A, it's not dangerous to date me because I won't talk about you on the podcast necessarily unless you do something terrible like take me out for key lime pie <laughs> when, I do, when I'm not in the mood for it. Um, and B, just to, you know, this is my problem, really, not yours, gentlemen out there who took me on a key lime pie date. You're perfectly fine and normal. It's really my issue, um, which is the name of my book. <laughs> it's my issue. <laughs> this is really my issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like so why we were, I've never had five husbands. It's my exactly. issue. Exactly. And this is my issue. So we were contacted by a listener, actually, about our Florida episode, though. Uh, a crazed listener by the name of Bretton Scott, <laughs> former oh co-host of the show. Bretton, I didn't know you listened to us. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Bretton. So Bretton contacted us to um, to let us know that he's been jetting in and out of Florida. His parents have a house there. I know. There. I've been seeing him on Instagram, and I'm so jealous because as soon as I left Florida, I wanted to turn around and go right back. Yeah, it actually made me want to go back, and he's... 
But the thing that I liked the most, which is I'm sure you're going to have liked the least, was all the fresh shrimp that he yes. was thumbing through, <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, expression. I'm like, yes, not for me. No, sir. I know. You don't like shrimp. But, um, yeah, I was, like, really turned on by all the fresh Florida shrimp head-on that he was encountering. Flea markets. Um, also really enjoyed watching him do hot yoga yes. on a tennis court. Uh, Brandon, that, you're yeah. a sex pot. <laughs> Love every minute of your Instagram stories. Yeah. Really, really funny. You're a crazed maniac, and we love you very much. Um, okay, I am going to start talking about my story of Florida today, which is truly wild uh, from top to bottom. <laughs> Had no idea uh, about any of this stuff, and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to share the story with you guys today. So I'm going to start this off with a joke about Florida, which they were they abounded on the Internet, but oh, many yeah. of them were inappropriate. So this one is, is cute. It's a good thing Gatorade was developed at the University of Florida as opposed to Florida State. Seminole fluid doesn't sound quite as good. <laughs> I don't get it's, it. Because the University of Florida's mascot is the Seminole. They're the Florida Seminoles. And uh. Florida State <laughs> is the Gators. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. And I thought... Well, that's a little inside baseball or maybe inside football. Um, it is very funny. So here's another joke. This one's the quite Seminole, long. like a Native American? Exactly. The tribes? Seminole Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So the whole, Good work. there's a problem with this whole joke, really, <laughs> but it's also funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. The problem is really with the mascot is that they yes. should just change it. Um so anyway, a recently widowed Jewish lady was sitting on a beach towel at Cocoa Beach, Florida. She looked up and noticed a man her age had walked up and placed his blanket on the sand nearby and began reading a book. Smiling, she attempted to strike up a conversation with him. Hello, sir. How are you? Fine, thank you, he responded and turned back to his book. I love the beach. Do you come here often, she asked. <laughs> First time since my wife passed away last year, he replied, and again turned back to his book. Do you live around here, she asked. Yes, I live over in Sun Tree, he answered, and then resumed reading. <clears throat> Trying to find a topic of common interest, she persisted. Do you like pussycats? With that, the man threw his book down, jumped off the blanket onto hers, tore off both her swimsuits, and gave her the most passionate ride of her life. Wow. As the cloud of sand began to settle, the woman gasped and the man and asked the man, how did you know that's what I wanted? The man replied, how did you know that my name was Katz? (laughs) 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 That's a Florida Jewish joke. There's sand. There's old divorced and widowed Jewish people. There's sex romps. I just don't like the idea of the cloud of sand fading away because that means it's all up in their buttholes and I'm not into that. (laughs) Okay, so I got my information today from an article in the Sun Sentinel by Rafael Omeda and an article in Vice Magazine by Miles Karp. So, the submarine sandwich, Nicole, what do you call, I call it a hero. What do you call a big long sandwich with lots of stuff in it? You call it a hero? Yeah, in New York, you call it a hero. I call it a Subway sandwich because of Subway sandwich, the restaurant? So you would call it a sub. So if you went to, like, 
we went to a deli together and we're like, oh, let's put like a big sandwich. I would say let's split a hero. You would say let's put a sub. I would probably just, I would actually say let's split a meatball sandwich. I would call it what it is. I wouldn't, the same thing with like pop or soda. Be like, let's get a Coke. But here's the issue, right? We walk into a deli, you're like, let's split a turkey sandwich. And then I'm like, well, what do you want to get it on? And, you know, you could say, well, whole wheat, a roll, or what if you wanted a long roll? What would you call that, that choice? The foot long? Get out of here. All right. Listen, if you're from New England, you would call it a grinder, which is confusing to why they named the the hookup site or whatever app grinder. But that's another episode. Um, I wonder if it's sandwich related. That's all. What about hoagies? Hoagies are from Philly. Okay. In New York, you call it a hero. In Yonkers, you call it a wedge, which is fucking psycho. A wedge? <laughs> yeah. Look, no. if someone fucking was like, you want to split a wedge, I would be expecting a wedge salad, obviously. Same. Louisiana, it's called a po' boy. In sure. Boston, it's called a spucky. No, nobody's ever said that. I know, it's like one person calls it a spucky. I've seen every movie that Ben Affleck has made, and he never says that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, our number one fan, Ben Affleck, please call into the show. <laughs> Tell us how it's going with that cardboard cutout of uh, your girlfriend that you broke in half. <laughs> um, in New Jersey, it's called a blimpy, which I only believe because of the, uh, the sandwich shop called blimpy. Are blimpies still around? I like. I remember liking blimpy. I never went to Blimpy. I've never huh. been to like a, uh, except for what we're going to talk about today, I've never been to like a fast food sandwich chain. Like I've never oh. had Subway. Well, you never had the one that's like, I guess maybe that's just in the Midwest. The one that's, it's not Papa John's. It's, <laughs> mm. it's got a, a man's Papa name. Joe's. What? Mr. Mr. Joe. Mr. Joe's <laughs> sloppy seconds. <laughs> 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 Ben Affleck, Speedy, Spuddy, Spucky Shop. Or Quiznos. Do you guys have Quiznos in New York? Do you guys? Uh, I I don't think I ever saw Quiznos when I lived there for 12 years. I don't Um, think I ever went to Quiznos. We didn't even have Subway when I was growing up. That's why I never went to Subway. There was just so many delis. Like, deli culture in Long Island, or at least where I grew up in Long Island, was so intense that there was no Subway. That sounds right. Yeah. Jersey Mike, if you're listening, call into the show, please. Jimmy John's, that's the one I'm thinking of. The- Get the hell out of here. That's a lie. That doesn't sound, that's not a real place. It is a real place. Okay, great. Well, we can do that <laughs> them next week. Anyway, look, in upstate New York, they call it a speedy. Okay. In Peoria, Illinois. Wait, isn't they it call- Spidey? Uh, Spidey? I don't know. I think it's speedy. Do you okay. call it Spidey? I don't know, man. It says speedy here. Uh, in Peoria, Illinois, they call it a gondola, which I find offensive. Nobody Honestly. says that. <laughs> exactly. In the lower Midwest, it's called a poor boy. No. In Maine, they just call it an Italian, which is okay. racist, Maine. And uh, <laughs> everywhere else, it's called a sub. Great. So, <clears throat> in Miami, it is also called a sub. And today, we're going to talk about the story of the famed sandwich chain, Miami Subs. Have you ever been? No. Okay. Have you ever heard of Miami Subs? I don't think so. Okay. Miami Subs is a very popular sandwich chain that began in, you guessed it, Florida. Um, not in Miami, though, however. And 
I have been to Miami subs. It was a it was a thing for sure because I mean I don't know if this is why, but there definitely aren't a ton of delis that I know of in Florida. It's not this. I'm sorry, my nose really itches. If you notice that, I'm making a weird sound. Um, but yeah, I remember going to Miami subs like you know when I'd go down to visit my grandma or whatever, and they had like amazing '90s. Uh, graphic design like 90s neon colors it was like pale blue and pink and it was pretty cool and it was like I'm sure exactly well actually it wasn't exactly like a subway because it was opened by um Constantino Gus Boulis in 1980 in Key West and he had uh he was of Greek origin so they had like euros and stuff oh so it started in Key West that he called it Miami Yes, but actually it started as a chain called Mr. Submarine in oh. Canada where he had lived. And he retired to Florida at age 30 because he had made so much money. What? He went down to the Keys, opened up uh, a, a version of Mr. Submarine in 1980 in Key West. And then he changed the name to Miami Subs when he started opening more. Okay. So back in the early days, uh, there was like a Key West artist who would hand paint the interiors of each one of the restaurants and they would have tropical scenes, underwater scenes, uh, manatees even floating (laughs) around the restaurant. (laughs) Very cute. I was listening to last week's episode and I referred to manatees as my favorite sea blob. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's, That's accurate. It really is just like a blob of flesh, gray flesh. With little mm-hmm. fins and a cute face. Um, anyway, so yeah, there was like gyros or as I like to say, gyros. Um, and there were subs and like french fries, you know, basic stuff. But I think mm-hmm. the addition of, of a gyro is interesting. Um, so they got really big and they <clears throat> expanded the menu to be Miami subs and grill. And by the mid-90s, there was nearly 200 locations. Whoa. That's a lot of locations, mostly oh, I, throughout Florida. I'm looking at the graphic design. It's amazing. It really is. And, like, the earlier ones are even more fun. It's so, so 90s. It's, like, the most 90s place ever. Um, so in the 90s, like, uh, stars like Madonna would pull up. They were open really late. So they would roll up to locations in Miami at, like, 2 a.m. and get, like, wings and french fries. And they would always have bottles of Dom Perignon for the stars to get while they pulled Whoa. up. Which is very interesting. I mean, Miami I wonder if you had wild. to be a star. It is a wild place, isn't it? It is. Um, so this guy was very rich. He was so rich, the owner, that he, oh, Gus Boulis, that he owned a plane. Which is, okay. if you're like rich, that's rich. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's Elvis rich. That's yeah. That's that turkey money. Um, <laughs> how much sliced turkey do you have to sell to buy a plane? That's uh, a riddle. <laughs> okay. I don't know. So in 1999, he sells Miami subs to Nathan's Famous. No. Yeah, huh? Wah, huh? So Ooh. he stays on as a consultant, but he shifts his primary uh, company to another company he owns a gambling boat company called Sun Cruise Casinos, which I remember seeing commercials for uh, at my grandma's house. And there were these wild commercials. You can like watch them. It's just like, I went to Sun Cruise and I won a ton of money. And there's like somebody playing the saxophone and like cocaine puffing up in the air. It's just, it's it was a wild time. <laughs> so the casinos would take patrons into international waters just outside of reach of the Florida gambling laws. 
So it was just like a, like a couple hour cruise. You know, you could go and win some money, whatever, play slot machines and craps and blackjack and stuff. Do you have to wait uh, till you're on international waters to start gambling? Exactly. Yeah, you can't gamble, I guess, until you get out. You have, you get like, it's actually a pretty good business plan, right? Like mm-hmm. you get trashed on the way waiting to gamble. Then you yeah. start gambling. And then you're trapped on the boat, so you might as well gamble. Right, and then you lose, but you're, like, on your way back <laughs> to shore. You're really <laughs> drunk at this point. I'm sure that was a very interesting place to be a bouncer. Um, so state officials in Florida decided, though, at some point that he had to sell his business, Sun Cruise Casinos, due to a law in Florida barring non-citizens from owning commercial vessels. He wasn't a citizen? Oh, because he's Canadian? Exactly. Shit. Yeah. So, Jack Abramoff, who's a lobbyist and con man, and dial and actress tycoon Adam Kidden put in a bid to buy Sun Cruise for $147.5 million. Okay, that seems fine. You can just retire on that. Right. But these people are pieces of shit. Uh, (laughs) They falsified a wire transfer to him and they never so like they never really paid him and the uh, business relationship between them went south there was a lot of tension and bullis eventually just changed his mind about selling to them uh all together and he and republicans denounced him on the floor of congress so he's basically like look i'm not trying to sell this to these people because they're not really paying any money and he had to go testify before congress and they were like Republicans in Congress at the time were like, no, fuck you. Like, you should do this. Because Jack Abramoff was um, a really, really, like, crooked lobbyist. He ended up getting involved in all this other nefarious activity uh, during the Bush administration. But we don't have time to get into that right now. But, um, okay. So, there's a terrible argument. One of the buyers, um, Abramoff and the dial mattress guy, File a police report saying that Bullis assaults them with a pen drawing blood. So what? he attacked he attacked one of them. It doesn't say which one. It just said one of the buyers files a police report saying that Bullis assaulted them with a pen. Okay, so what? Little okay. jerks. Right. I mean, if someone like tries to dupe you out of $147.5 million, I don't know. Maybe they're going to attack you with a pen. I feel like you have to just open <laughs> yourself up to that possibility. At least it wasn't a fountain pen. I'd be like, those ones that are like those, you know, the the, the feather pens. You could poke Oops. your eye right out with yeah. that. Absolutely. You could kill someone with a feather pen. I was just watching, have you ever seen the movie Amadeus? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I hadn't seen it in a very long time, and I just rewatched it the other day. And uh, he went through a ton of, of quail pens, those big feather pens. Yeah. Writing all those symphonies. Yeah. It's um, dangerous okay. to be a bird it's, in that time. Apps. Oh, <laughs> absolutely terrible time to be a bird but useful useful so kitten the dial a mattress guy hires anthony big tony moscolacito and hold on can i pause for a moment am i supposed to know what dial a mattress is is that like a long island thing too i don't know if it was a it was just like 1-800 mattress do you remember 1-800 mattress no we didn't have that it was a 90s thing it was like a big deal like yeah, dial a mattress. It we was had like Big a, Sur water beds here in Indiana, very close to Big Sur. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, 
a water, I had a water bed. My mom, when my parents got divorced, was like, okay, well, what do you need so you don't realize how, like, horrible this time is in your life? And I got a water bed, and I never slept on it. I was like, this thing is so impractical and uncomfortable yeah, to sleep on. I got a water bed. Like, I got my own room in the basement, which is, like, our unfinished basement. <laughs> uh, so, in the <laughs> unfinished basement, I slept on a giant water bed that was wow. also very annoying. Really yeah, annoying to get the sheets on that thing. Totally. And it's like, if you don't, if it, the heater breaks and it's freezing cold, it's just... Yeah, that happened to me. I, my whole body temperature was lowered. You can die. <laughs> my God. Look, two things we've established are very dangerous. Feather pens and water beds. <laughs> and don't you dare combine them. Because, oh my God. Imagine yeah. writing your symphony on a water bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't imagine it. Okay, so Kate oh, and Wait, one more thing about waterbeds. I'm sorry. Please, I've, please. This is a waterbed show, obviously. I'm apartment hunting, that. and um, one of the applications that I got in the email was like, do you have any water-filled furniture with you when you're moving into this <laughs> apartment? And I thought that was the most hilarious thing ever. Like, what else would be water-filled furniture other like than a, a waterbed? <laughs> or a fish tank, I guess. That's not really furniture, though. <laughs> Right, a water I mean, couch? A toilet is, I guess, water-filled furniture. That's what I said. I was like, what about my toilet? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. Huh. How interesting. Well, I guess a waterbed could cause a lot, of, a lot of damage. I know, but I don't know how many people are bringing a waterbed into their apartment in the year 2021. But what do I know? Look, there's a lot of sexy people out there, okay? I do think they haven't updated the application because the refrigerator in this apartment was literally from the 1970s, so... So was the really? application. Yeah. <laughs> so is the shag carpeting. Um, <laughs> okay. So he hires these mobsters, Big Tony and uh, Anthony Big Tony Mastelcito and his associate Anthony Little Tony Ferrari. Uh, mobsters with ties to the Gambino family and John Gotti for protection because he's afraid of getting, I guess, attacked with a pen again. <laughs> And I guess they also thought that Bulis was trying to put a hit out on them. So Kitten would purchase wine from uh, Masalacito's distri- uh, distributors for Sun Cruise boats. So now this confuses me. I'm like, I guess they did get the boat company at some point because he's saying that or maybe this was what the agreement was going to be if they got the company. I don't know. But the research here says that the deal was that he would purchase uh, wine from his from Big Tony's distributors for Sun Cruise boats and additional payments we made to the Far- to Ferrari's company Moon Over Miami Beach to provide security. On February sixth, two thousand and one, as Bulis left his office in his BMW, two cars boxed him in, forcing him to stop. A gunman emerged from the black Mustang beside Bulis's car and shot the Miami Subs founder three times. Killing him instantly. Jesus. <clears throat> no, not Jesus. It was Big Tony Moscow. <laughs> they killed Big him Tony- over a gambling boat? Exactly. Big Tony Moscolacito had hired a hitman, and that hit- this is all allegedly, by the way. I do not want to get in any trouble with the <laughs> Gambino crime family. I'm just reading what I read in the newspaper. Uh <clears throat> had hired a hitman, and that hitman had gotten the job done. After 14 years. Two trials, one guilty plea, and the death of the alleged gunman. The next steps in the case were almost routine. Anthony Big Tony Masalacito had was seventy seven at the time of his conviction in twenty fifteen, and 
he was sentenced to life in prison. Actually, seventy-seven years old. Yeah. Yep. He wasn't just like, you know what, maybe let's let this go. He's like, I have to murder this guy. Well, he had, the murder happened in 20, 2001, 14 years oh, later. Oh, right, right, right. So, okay. okay. Yeah. So the gunman um, who killed Bulos was actually killed himself in Boca Raton in the year 2003 in an apparently unrelated incident. Hmm. Um, so let's get back to Miami subs here. The company was bought and sold a couple of times, and the majority of the stores closed um, kind of in the early 2000s, but in the year 2012, the year of our Lord, <laughs> here comes the savior. I bet you're not going to know who it is. Any guesses? Who comes in to save the day? TCBY. No! Pitbull! Oh. <laughs> Armando Pitbull Perez purchases Pitbull. a significant equity of stake in Miami Subs Grill. Uh, they changed the name to just Miami Grill, and he buys himself a seat on the board of the directors, and he takes over as spokesman. Really? Yes. So, from a rep for the company, quote, Pipple grew up on Lincoln Road in Miami, and Miami Subs, uh, ate at Miami Subs writing music and eating gyro platters. So, Pipple loves gyros, which I think is adorable. Um... He also, quote, loved the brand and started becoming, when he started becoming big time, he reached out to us. So now they make, uh, now they've made the switch to Miami Grill and these new Miami Grills have more upscale locations and will, quote, pump Sobe Club-esque beats, boast large plasma screen TV sets for sporting events and offer Dom as a throwback to the early days of the brand. That's cute. Is Sobe South Beach? Yes. Um, so they're also expanding internationally. There are now locations in Myanmar and Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And the company is looking into Middle East and South American locations. Weird. In both domestic and international locations, the rapper's picture is plastered all over the walls. And his voice dominates the speaker system. <laughs> Apparently... When I research why they're opening Malaysia, Malaysians particularly love Miami and Pitbull. They have, like, a fixation with Miami and Pitbull both. Interesting. Don't know why. Um, The Myanmar location features grilled mutton on the menu and a group called the Ocean Drive Band performing international and Burmese hits six nights a week. Six nights a week. I don't know what happens on the seventh night, but I want to read you some reviews as I like to do. Are you up for that? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay, great. Some are good. Some are bad. None of them are written by me. <laughs> um, went to grab a 20 piece wing, got the box and could not believe how small the wings were. Total waste of money. No lie. Five wings from any other joint would equal the same size. I've never seen a wing in my life that was so small. I would never <laughs> go back. And I'm just trying to picture how small this wing could have possibly been. And how big the other wings this person is used to eating and why. Any, Maybe any they're like pigeon wings versus genetically modified chicken wings. <laughs> so we're thinking maybe the wings at Miami Grill are organic. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. This next review is entitled Pita Perfect. Miami <laughs> Subs is one of my favorite local chains. The pitas are excellent and the atmosphere is very modern. This location is near Shipping... Main roads and hotels. Shipping. It's also open fairly late. I'll give my high rating two rabbit's ears up. 
What? <laughs> I don't, I decided to read this one because it made no sense to me. I love that they're like, it's close to shipping. I know. So. Thank God for all your shipping needs. You know how shipping makes you hungry for PETA, though? Maybe they mean like FedEx, not like a ship. Oh, yeah. No, I thought like FedEx. You were thinking I thought like they a meant shipping like container. A longshoreman after oh. his hard day at work. <laughs> yeah. This is written by the Gordons Fisherman. Um, okay. Uh, this one's written about, I'm not going to say which location because I don't want to throw any shade, but this person wrote, the worst Miami subs location ever. And this is written by a reviewer named Evil P. Okay. So I'm on a lunch break. Roll up to the window, ordered a Philly cheesesteak and a cup of water. Rude as trash cashier hands me my cup of water. And before I take a sip, I see all this crap floating in the water. (laughs) So I politely ask her if she could give me a new cup with new water. She does so with attitude, but with the same result. Water from the toilet after I pooped is cleaner than this water. I don't think so. Um, (laughs) Sir or madam, I told her maybe it's because she used the same cup and I politely asked her to try a different cup. I'm having a hard time believing this person is being as polite as they are claiming to be. (laughs) Yeah. To which she responds, nope, all the cups are face down, so take it or leave it. I took it took everything for me not to jump through the window. Anyways, I will be standing there applauding when they close this disgusting place down. Okay, wow, there's so much to think about here. Number one, was he getting a cup with no lid? Or I was guess. he taking the lid off to peer into his water? That's a great question. And great number two, question. <laughs> when is he gonna stand in the in, a plot like while the like the final days that they're going to be open like <laughs> going out of business week and he's going to be applauding or what like when i mean i'm assuming there he's going to applaud as the last as the person who's franchised the shop who's probably put their life savings into it and is trying to put their kids through ridiculously expensive private college just so they can have a chance at life realizes no one wants to go there anymore and is closing the door for the last time, and this fucking guy's gonna be there clapping. He's in gonna his be face. there by himself in the parking lot, clapping, and no one's gonna know what the hell he's doing. As this, as the owner is like crying and uh, <laughs> contemplating suicide, he's just gonna be clapping. Okay, th- I'm gonna end on a positive note. This is from 2016. Best salads I've eaten from a fast food restaurant. This was one of those places I patronized four out of my five days in the city. I love these salads. The management and staff were very professional and kind. The orders did not take long at all. The restaurant was usually very busy when I went, but it did not seem to impede on the flow of the orders. I had two different salads. One was with grilled chicken and one was with gyro. I had not had gyro before, so what? So it was a change of pace for me. I loved it. The place, this is a place I wish we had in Texas. <laughs> Aww. So this person loved it. So yeah, and these were both written about the same location. They're like, I'm gonna stand outside and applaud just because they're so awesome. <laughs> these two people are now mortal enemies. They don't know it yet. <laughs> they're but they both are. applauding, but for different reasons. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Should we take a quick break? Yes. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch. The Hearst family has raised cattle on California's central coast since 1865. 
today. Hearst Ranch's signature product is their 100% grass-fed, completely hormone and antibiotic-free beef. The Hearst Ranches have always treated their animals with great care. Their cattle live a completely natural existence as foragers and grazers. Well-managed grazing fertilizes the land naturally, sustains a seasonal rhythm to the ranches, and produces a remarkable meat whose flavor is the authentic taste of the American West. Hearst Ranch beef is available seasonally, May through August, in select whole food markets throughout California, and all year round at their retail locations in San Simeon and Paso Robles. And now, HRN listeners in Arizona, Nevada, and California can get Hearst Ranch beef delivered right to their door through Larder Meat Company. Go to lardermeatco.com and shop the 100% grass-fed box to stock your freezer with Hearst Ranch beef. That's L-A-R-D-E-R, meatco.com. Learn more about the storied history, farming practices, and conservation efforts of Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. And guess what? We're back from the break. I'm really hoping that this show is brought to you by Pitbull. We don't know who our advertisers are while we're recording. So I'm assuming this show is brought to you by the whole state of Florida. Hopefully. Nicole, did you like that story about Miami subs? I did. I did like it very much. I love intrigue and murder and cold cuts. (laughs) <laughs> well, what's your favorite? Like, if you were going to go into, like, let's say Miami subs, not necessarily knowing the menu, but also kind of assuming what would be on there, what would be your, like, go-to order? I like just a nice, good old-fashioned turkey, Swiss, lettuce, mustard. Yeah. Jalapenos, I like that too. maybe. Some pe- a pepper of some, something pickly on there. Mm, yes, a pepper. I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, I try to avoid meat. If I'm going to do, like, a fast food situation. So I like a a cheese sandwich. A cheese sandwich with mayo, mustard, lettuce, tomato, like, onion, and a pickly thing. Yeah. But, you know, turkey, schmirk, game, whatever. So I am wondering, last week we talked about our favorite things from Florida. We each said three, as we do in our top three. (laughs) But do we have another top three today? Because I've thought of three more things that I like about Florida. Sure, you go first. I'll think of mine. Okay, great. So three new things that I love about Florida is I love uh, manatees. (laughs) Sea blobs, if you will. Um, I love the restaurant Houston's, which I know might be from Houston. But let me just say... That when I was growing up, Houston's was a chain restaurant that we would frequent very often in Florida. And there were several of them throughout the state. And I really just like, lo- I love Houston. Have you ever been to a Houston's or Hillstone? I've never been. We never even went to the one in New York. Okay. I I honestly feel like Houston's is one of my favorite restaurants of all time. I don't yeah. know why I'm laughing. There's nothing, there's nothing silly about it. It's perfect. They do everything right. But I remember going there all the time as like a, a teen and young adult, maybe I'd say ages eight through 16. Um, it was always very busy. You'd get like a beeper and, mm-hmm. you know, you'd go outside and there's, it was like so hot outside and there was iguanas scurrying around. And then finally you'd get called and you'd go in and it was so icy cold in there. 
uh, and they had great spinach and artichoke dip, and I just loved it. It was so fun. Yeah, um, I always and, wanted to go, but I, I didn't even know about it until you told me about it. Oh, yeah. Houston's well, I, also, is, there was a big legit. article about it in the New York Times, like, I don't know, in the year 2006 or something. <laughs> Are you thinking about there was an art, a big, long article on Bone App? Was that it? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long sure. form piece by Andrew Knowlton about about Hillstone, and I really, I loved that. But um, I know it's not necessarily quintessentially Florida, but it reminds me of Florida. And my number one thing, I can't fucking believe I didn't say this last week, is grapefruit. Mm. I love pink grapefruit, ruby red grapefruit, whatever. Like, during the winter months, it really sustains me with joy throughout the winter, and I'm not... This isn't, like, hyperbole. Like, it's the best thing about the winter for me. It brings me so much joy to nibble into a grapefruit every morning after my run. I love it. Um, How do you feel about grapefruit? You like it? Yeah, it's fine. I don't necessarily buy them very often, but if they're around, I'll definitely eat them. When it's good, it's good. Like, when you get a good one, I've been getting these ones. The brand is Dandy. I have no idea about their politics or how I don't want to give them any kind of like thumbs up they could be a terrible terrible farming company um obviously there's a lot of problematic citrus grove situations down in Florida but they're delicious (laughs) they're very good um those are my top three faves my I don't remember what I said last week so I might say them again which is fine okay great um but I do want to say I do love Lake Okeechobee Oh, you didn't say that. What? Tell us about it. What's the deal? Well, it's a huge shallow lake. They tried to, like, when they were draining the Everglades, they really did a bunch of dumb shit with it. But my grandparents um, had a trailer there. That's, like, their retirement home when I was a kid. So, cool. Um, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's in the middle of Florida. It's a really humongous lake that would flood a lot. Um, and then they were trying to drain the Everglades. They, like, built these canals around it, but they all, like, they didn't really know what they were doing because it was the 20s, and it's actually really interesting if you want to do more research on Florida, which I'm sure that you do, is to read about the 20s land boom in Florida and how they really messed shit up. I will definitely read about that, where there are a lot of frogs. Central Florida, a lake, feels like frog heaven. Did you see a lot of frogs there? Yeah, there's some frogs. Um, And I do... I love the gators, even though if I saw one up close, I would be scared. I wouldn't, like, hang out with it. Yeah. Um, But just the idea that there's just, like, a creature that can kill you just, like, hanging out in this puddle of water by the side of the road is, you know, it's exciting. It's dangerous. Totally. And, like, also, they're extremely prehistoric. I feel like they're our biggest link to the past. (laughs) Yeah, well, we were looking up what the natural predator of gators was. And our trip, and the natural predator is humans and themselves. They don't really have a natural predator besides that. They eat themselves? Yeah, they'll eat themselves. Oh, wow, how interesting. It's like mm-hmm. that Harry Carey, like, do you ever watch when Will Ferrell used to do Harry Carey? And he'd be like, hey, Norm, let me ask you a question. If you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not eating himself. The gator's eating, like, his brother. Right, it's not just, like nibbling on its own tail until it gets all the way back to its own right. mouth yes um, it's still fucked a, up yeah there's a stephen king story about 
this guy that gets stranded on an island and slowly starts to eat himself until he runs out of parts. It's pretty dark. Ooh, that is dark. That's the mind of Stephen King, huh? I wonder what it would be like. I love Stephen King, obviously. But do you ever think of what it would be like to be in a relationship with him? No, I can't believe Tabitha stuck it out. I mean, he was a cokehead, alcoholic. You cannot have been a good partner or father for those years. Or a nice person. Like, is he a nice person? I know he's a good person. He has good morals. But, like, is he a nice person? We don't don't know. know. He seems like he might be grouchy, but I don't really know. definitely. I don't know. Hmm. Steven, if you're listening. His wife, Tabitha, also wrote um, a novel or two, which I checked out when I was, like, a teenager. And I don't remember them being very good, but... There was some Mm. sex scenes in there. Ooh. Um, Horny. I know. I don't really... I should look that up. I wonder if they are any good. Probably not. No offense, Tabitha. Mm. Um, Is it Tabitha Soren from MTV News? No, it's Tabitha King. Mm. Oh, right. Sure. King. Got it. (laughs) Also, she's the only reason that he ever even got published, because he threw Carrie in the trash, and she dug it out and sent it away. Oh, yeah, you know what? I actually knew that story. Um, um, hmm. Yeah, and the other thing about Florida that I love is, I don't know, the the Florida Keys. They're just so cool. and So cool. I really do wish that I lived in a different time. Not like the 50s, but like the 90s when you could still like roll down to the Keys and just grab a cheap place and hang out for a month or so. Absolutely. That would be really great for me right now. I completely agree. I am about to finish doing this pop-up on April 9th, and I'm like, I really feel like I could use a vacation. Mm-hmm. It would be great um, to just kind of, I you know, I don't need to explain. I just feel like I could <laughs> use a vacation. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, where could I go that's not, like, you know, that I could even drive to. I'm, I'm not super interested in getting on a plane. Totally. And I'm like, ooh, the key is I could, like, do a road trip. It's just so expensive down there. I know it's really It's not annoying. even just expensive. It's like cost prohibitive. Like to stay in a hotel in the Keys, you can't stay somewhere for less than like $600 a night, which is just that's silly. I mean, we found some stuff, but it was like still like $185 a night. So you can't just like roll down there and get like oh. a a little house. And the thing yeah. is is like the places aren't even nice. Like you can't even like Exactly. You're staying somewhere that's like over $200 a night and it's not even nice. Right, the or there's like t- are like four hundred dollars a night, and they're just like crappy, like not renovated, built in nineteen fifty two places that are like moldy. Totally, or there's like a lot of houseboat rentals down there. Right, but then you can find yourself in a fucking Captain Ron situation, which could be good or bad depending on how desperate you are for sex. <laughs> <laughs> That movie is fucking wild. Have you seen that movie recently? So, Captain Ron is the one with Kurt Russell, right? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. And Martin Short. It's great. I have never seen it. It's basically like, what about Bob? But at sea. And and obviously, Kurt Russell is a lot sexier than Bill Murray. Sorry, Bill Murray. But it's true. No offense, Bill. But it's got the same thing. It's like a, a pest who's like obviously annoying to the viewer but like the family is like i love him so much better than my stupid uptight husband is um, martin short the uptight husband yeah mm-hmm. huh interesting yeah and kurt russell is the sexy fucking captain captain ron which everyone knows is the sexiest name <laughs> who plays the wife in that 
Ron. Isn't that funny? Ron is like an accountant's name. It's like very weird <laughs> that the captain would be named Ron. <laughs> yeah, well, it's right for Ronald. <laughs> captain Ronald? I mean, no, it's, just, it's just like not that. It doesn't make sense. I don't remember who the wife is. I'm thinking because the only person I can think of is the wife in um, in What About Bob? The character actress whose name I don't remember, but who talks like this. I don't remember what her name is. Um, anyway, Captain Ron, great movie. Haven't seen it. I don't think I saw it maybe kind of recently, like 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Mary Kay Place. Remember her? Yeah. Uh-huh. But I've watched it like a bajillion times. It was one of the movies. My stepsister and I had, you know, a pretty decent uh, VHS collection. But we would like really somewhere in heavy rotation. And Captain Ron was one of them for sure. But I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, but I'm going to watch it right now. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do, but I'm going to say, fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm watching Captain Ron twice. Do it. Nicole, I have to get back to making um, some stuff for the pop-up. I think I mentioned this. I don't know if we're on air or not, but I just made 50 teeny tiny individual tiramisus. And when I was making them, I was like, these are cute. Nicole would think these are adorable because they're individual in little cups. Oh, I love that. And I, I know. love my joke that I made on her Instagram about them being savory tiramisu because she said on her Zaza lasagna Instagram, she was like, chicken parm and tiramisu are running low. But I was like, chicken parm tiramisu? <laughs> it was chicken piccata. I was oh, like, right. we're Can out of forget? chicken piccata and, t- and we're out of chicken piccata tiramisu. Yes, that was very funny. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why it makes me laugh even now. But I also have to run because I feel like my dad has turned the oven on and that is bad news for okay, my great. dinner plans. <laughs> well, let's get out of here. We all have better things to do and sit here and talk about fucking Kurt Russell and his sweet ass. Call <laughs> 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 Kurt. Uh, Kurt, please. Friend of the show, Kurt Russell. Nicole, what a fun episode. I love you. I miss you. And uh, I can't wait to kiss you. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to go right now. Okay, bye, everybody. Hasta la pasa. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.